How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Win it. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name. Joining me, as always, is my good friend Frank Madden. Frank, how are you doing tonight? Uh, I'm doing well. Uh, we gotta. We're, we're gonna make this. We always talk about doing quick podcasts, but we're. I actually have an incentive to do one because I'm. I'm in Dallas. <laughs> I went to the game. I'm in my car. Got the AC running. Charging my phone. I'd like to get out on the road soon. So let's let's talk some Bucks preseason basketball so I can drive two and a half hours and get home and, and sleep in my own bed. How about that? Um, I mean I wanna talk about it for hours. I don't we really, got, we got I don't really deep, care about you. <laughs> I don't care about your well being, Frank. Um no, that that sounds good to me. Uh the Milwaukee Bucks lose their first preseason game of the season, one oh six, one oh four. And I guess let's start here, Frank. If anyone follows you on Twitter at FMaddenMBA, they would see that you sat very close to the floor. I would assume you got a great deal on those tickets from our good friends at SeatGeek. And I guess what was it like to watch some Bucks preseason basketball? You got to do it before I did. I, I don't get to do that until Wednesday. Yeah, it was uh, it was kind of fun because it's preseason. Like I, I generally don't like going to other teams' buildings and like being an opposing fan in part because I hate when opposing fans come into the Bradley center and are really like vocal and annoying. So, you know, I'm a little bit, I'm a, I try to be like a respectful, um, but I also don't try to hide which team I'm cheering for. Um, and in a preseason game, no one cares. So it's actually kind of, kind of nice. Um, and my, my friend that I went with tonight, um, is a guy who went to Texas A&M and went to grad school at SMU. So, it was like it was like a perfect storm because he had Sterling Brown and Chris Middleton to root for on the Bucks. By the end of the night, he was saying the Bucks are not his one B team. He's from Dallas originally; he's a Mass fan. But I told him, "Look, you've got Jet. Jet. Jet was out <laughs> eating popcorn at halftime, waving to the fans. Uh, you've got you know all, Jason Kidd, obviously, who has a lot, got a nice round of applause in uh, in Dallas as well for his role on that championship team." So, um, so yeah, I won over a, uh, a new Bucks fan tonight, but it was, uh, it was interesting. I mean, it wasn't a huge crowd. Uh, I got my, my SeatGeek tickets. I think I got over $200 off the face value of the, t- the tickets Yo. I was in. Um, so shout out to SeatGeek for the hookup. Um, well, not even a hookup. It's, I, I, I'm not special. I just, use SeatGeek. <laughs> Correct. Um, so, uh, so that was, so that was nice. Uh, preseason pricing, certainly kicking in on SeatGeek. 
Um, but, uh, but yeah, it was fun. And obviously I'd probably the, the, the not fun part, which, you know, we, we obviously haven't podcasted yet, um, since, uh, you know, over the weekend, but, um, obviously the, the, the sad news was Giannis not playing because of his dad passing away, um, which obviously kind of, you know, was just, I think a shock to everybody. Um, and, and obviously, you know, who cares about missing one preseason game? Um, but obviously just the fact that Giannis wasn't here because he's, you know, having to be with his family for his dad's untimely passing. I mean, um, that obviously kind of just obviously put, put a down note on, on everything, uh, over the past few days. Um, but you know, uh, you just hope that, uh, that Giannis is able to spend time with his family. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess before we get into the game, I, it, it's amazing. I was talking to my, my, uh, you know, just some other, some other Bucks fans about this and, um, I'm trying to think. I'm not sure if, if any Bucks player has had, you know, a family and, and parents as visible as Giannis. You know, we, we kind of hmm. got to know Giannis when he was a kid, coming over as 18, 18-year-old 18 without his family, and then how big of a deal it was when his family finally came over. And I, I think a lot of us probably remember that Knicks game where he started, I think it was mid-December of, what, 2013? And his parents were in the crowd, and he played yeah. great, and they won, and um, it was really a, a magical moment, you know, for this kid. And um, his parents, Charles and Veronica, were, you know, fixtures. If you went to Bucks games, you saw them. You know, his dad always dressed up in a suit. Um, they're, you know, they're they're quiet people. They're not like loud. They are not the Levar Ball school of basketball <laughs> families. Um, and I mean that as a compliment. And um, you know, I, I don't know, just just really tragic at, at 54 years old that um, that Giannis would lose his dad. So. You know, again, I don't know what else you can say about it. It's just, you know, a horrible thing for, for anybody to go through. And, you know, you just hope, obviously, with his whole family around him that, um, you know, they're they're able to get through this about as well as you can. Yeah, I think the just, I mean, the thing that you think of is actually seeing them and them being visible. Like, it, it was just such a big deal for them to be able to get to come to the United States. And they're always such a visible part of his story that it i mean it, it's just heartbreaking like you said uh you don't really want to see anyone go through that and e- even if their parents weren't as visible even if we didn't see him around as much as we did like it's it's just brutal um so uh, obviously terrible and i i don't know i i would kind of guess we won't see Giannis the whole week like the preseason schedule is kind of uh, a little bit strange in that it's Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then not again until the following Friday. Um, but I wouldn't be shocked if we don't see him the whole week, and I don't. I wouldn't care if we don't see him the whole week. That that should should absolutely not be a priority uh, coming back to play these preseason games. So um, it's just brutal stuff, and uh, you hope that with as close as that family is that they can obviously help him kind of get through it. Losing a loved one is, is never fun and it's not something you really want anyone to go through. Uh, so seeing Giannis go through it, it will be kind of just as bad. And uh, obviously condolences out to their family and you, you just hope for the best. Yeah. I mean, um, hopefully, hopefully Giannis is doing what he needs to do. And, um, you know, again, with his with his brothers, um, you're just happy that that he's had them around and that they've obviously had um, the last couple of years to be able to spend all this time together. And, but you know, again, no, nothing can can make up for losing you know a parent 
family, especially, you know, in such a shocking way. The report was that he died of a heart attack and no, you know, no suggestion that anything like this would, you know, could happen. And, and so just a shock for everybody, I'm sure. So, um, anyway, I, I don't want to, it feels almost stupid to talk about preseason basketball after something as big and, and weighty as that, but well, the good um, news is, Frank, that it would feel dumb to talk about preseason basketball anyways. anytime. Like, yeah, so, anyways. <laughs> the the, the tra- an extra perspective, yeah, on one why this doesn't matter. But, um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, look, we we obviously we we, we want to take our mind off you know this stuff a little bit, and um, I'm sure people want to talk about basketball and, and start thinking about that because um, big season for the Bucks and. Um, uh, obviously, uh, kind of a random way to start it with without your best player, um, Thon Maker also kind of set the scene. I, I was I knew Giannis wasn't going to play when I when I got to the arena. Um, I, I, I assumed Thon was going to play. I didn't. I'm not sure when the news came that he was not going to play today. I, I didn't realize it uh, until I was sitting there and I'm like, John Henson's is starting. Well, I know John Henson grew up at least partly in Texas. Like, <laughs> is that why he's starting? And then I was looking around and I couldn't see Thon anywhere. I was like. Is Thon really not playing either? And I was like, okay, great. Well, it's the, the two most interesting guys on the roster not playing. So, um, but it's preseason, and you know, a, a very preseason lineup, starting lineup, uh, featuring Malcolm Brogdon, okay, Chris Middleton, okay, that, that we, we like that, uh, and then from there on out, a kind of a random group. Henson sitting and standing in for for Thon, um, Greg Monroe still coming off the bench, even with even with Thon out. Um, and then uh, the rookies getting getting a look. Sterling Brown maybe in part because uh, it was a bit of a homecoming coming back to to Texas after playing collegiately here, uh, and and also DJ Wilson uh, starting not a homecoming game for DJ Wilson, but starting at the four effectively in Giannis's place. Um, and, and I don't know. I mean, maybe do we want to start with the rookies or where, where do you sure, want to start with? Because um, obviously a lot of this is just you know kind of understanding where guys are developmentally and. Um, certainly the young guys are the ones we have the, the least sample on. I think we know Chris Middleton's going to be probably pretty fine. But um, I don't know. What were your what were your impressions of Sterling Brown and DJ Wilson? I feel like one of those players <laughs> looked a fair bit better than the other. Uh, I tweeted it out at the half and said that I think Sterling and DJ look largely okay to me. Um, obviously, Sterling didn't make shots as the game went on, and he ended up going... Over nine from the field, over four from three, and I think he airballed two or three of those. So obviously not the best night for him from the field shooting, and uh, just didn't end up looking all that good. But uh, I guess why at the half I'd said I was pretty okay with both of them is I thought defensively they did a pretty nice job. And as I watched the way the Bucks play defense and watched the way those two guys play defense, I I kind of thought to myself, I get it. I, I get why those two guys would be attractive. Uh, there's a couple possessions in both the first half and second half where DJ Wilson uh, got switched on to guys. I know in the first half it was getting switched on to Seth Curry. And again, Seth Curry is not Steph Curry, but he, he is somewhat elusive. He is able to shake you a little bit off the dribble. And I thought DJ Wilson held up pretty well in those spots. Uh, Sterling Brown was kind of all over the place on the baseline at Got a couple tip passes and passing lanes, and largely looked like the the high basketball IQ guy uh, that that I think most of us thought he would be. So, um, to me, I guess that's always the biggest thing when I'm looking at new players in the system, whether they're rookies uh, or they're free agent acquisitions. That if you look passable seventy five percent of the time on defense, 
just because I think in that defense there's going to be plenty of times for you to look not good. But if 75% of the time you look serviceable and you seem to have a general grasp of what you're doing, I think you're largely okay with me. Like In my book, I think you're going to be fine. And I thought from both those guys, that's what I saw. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, it was nice to see DJ Wilson his first couple shots, including a three. You know, uh, I think with, with both of these guys, we've talked about it, right? I mean, it, it, it's the idea, especially – you know, Sterling Brown in competition with, you know, 80 other dudes for, for wing minutes, pretty wide open in terms of, you know, having a shot at some real minutes there. Um, we said it about Rashad Vaughn, same goes for Sterling Brown. If you come out and defend and hit shots, you have a very good chance of playing. And yep. Sterling Brown, you know, again, his floor game is probably okay, but, um, but in terms of making shots, I mean, it, the nerves were showing tonight. And, uh, you know, I just thought back to that first preseason game where, the first half, summer I didn't even realize. Game. Sorry, sorry. First pre uh, summer league game, uh, where I didn't even realize he was actually playing that day, because <laughs> yeah. um, yeah. he had signed like the day before, and I was like, oh, he's probably not going to play. And then I just <laughs> didn't recognize him, um, yeah. and he was really bad. Um, of course, he's had a bit more practice time this round, so this time around, so he didn't have the same excuse for for not being prepared. But um, you know, again, he looked a lot better as as summer league went on. You can only hope that the same will be true uh, during the preseason and. Um, you know, if this is any indication, he'll probably continue to get a fair bit of run in the preseason. I'm sure uh, they want to see what, what he can do, what Rashad Vaughn can do. We saw Gary Payton a fair bit tonight. He's obviously in that mix. Um, we didn't see James Young, but did, is, did, did you hear a reason why James Young didn't play? I did not even see him on the bench, I want to say. Um, I did not hear a reason, no. Yeah, okay. Um, so, anyway, um, yes. Much to be improved with Sterling Brown. I'm sure he will look better than he did tonight on most nights because not only was he missing, he was missing badly. Um, like you said, a couple air balls, a, a, a thumper off the backboard that got no rim, um, just not good uh, shooting-wise. And DJ Wilson, yeah, as you said, I mean, you know, you, you can kind of see the tools, you know, you can kind of see them, um, how those might uh, work in, in an NBA setting. But again, you know, much of tonight uh was not an NBA setting, right? But maybe the first quarter was kind of like all NBA players on the court with Dirk and, you know, Dennis Smith, who didn't really play much the rest of the game either. Um, but, uh, you know, good to see DJ Wilson starting, so at least we get some sense of what he would look like against real NBA competition rather than just seeing him, you know, kind of mop up in garbage time, which, again, he did play late as well. Um, but, uh, you know, we'll see. So it'll be a process with both those guys. Nice that nice that they can get some some major minutes and throwing them a, a start you know whether it was circumstantial or not um you know good to get those guys some run and hopefully get the jitters out early yeah i mean 27 minutes for sterling brown tonight uh he was first on the team in minutes and dj wilson 23 and a half for him uh he was second in minutes so uh, that's kind of uh, I, or at least i think the goal of those preseason games is all right, those guys probably aren't going to get a ton of run, and they might be guys that see themselves on the outside looking in, even with a deep, even with a deep Jason Kidd rotation. Uh, but getting them 27 and 23 minutes to start their NBA careers can hopefully be a good thing just for them to see what it's like and get out there and kind of experience the, the feel and the speed of the game. Uh, so we'll have to see what they have going forward. Um, well, only thing, only thing I'd add, this, this is my one random thing I can point out from having been at the game. Um, I'm not sure how much it was, how noticeable was on TV. Obviously, this you could have seen on TV as well. But, you know, there were a few times where DJ Wilson was found himself either, you know, on a help or something like that, where he was 
um, defending the rim and guys were able to kind of put their body into him a little bit and, and just sort of finish finish over him and he really wasn't able to contest a shot mm-hmm. effectively which you know again for a guy who's seven three and you know reasonably fluid athletically you know you'd hope that he can provide a bit you know of occasional weak side shot blocking or you know yeah. be a, make him make life a little bit more difficult at the rim um i don't think we really saw much of that tonight um and again i think this is something we saw more in in vegas as well you know there are a lot of times where he he looks smaller than he is um considering he's a guy who's you know what six ten and a half in shoes seven three wingspan um, doesn't always play big, both offensively and defensively. We've talked a lot about his, his rebounding and or lack thereof. Um, just one night, just one rebound. Yeah, and I think that was. I thought he had two offensive rebounds on the same possession. I want to say. Oh yeah, that's true. He did. So the statue has him as one, but there was definitely two. Yeah, and then um, and I think the interesting thing was that early in the first quarter, after they after the Bucks had a timeout, you could see Sean Sweeney uh, on the bench, kind of exhorting him, giving him the get your hand up <laughs> like yeah. motion and i'm not sure if that was for perimeter defense or or, or inside I mean, obviously he had his hand up when he was trying to defend the rim that's probably more of a perimeter defense thing but um but anyway interesting to see uh the teaching process is uh, obviously an ongoing thing with both those guys well let's talk about the resurgence of john henson and this was playoff john henson. yeah right that that was the guy <laughs> that we saw um <laughs> So obviously you were in the arena, and I'd assume not paying attention to your Twitter feed. Um, but I tweeted out early in the game that uh, something to the extent of, "Man, wow, John Henson's really doing a nice job establishing like establishing position at the elbow for these like corner series plays." And man, he's doing a really nice job rolling to the rim. Who's carding it? Oh, it's Dirk. Yeah. Um, John Henson, though he won't look good against most centers, can still look pretty damn good when Dirk Nowitzki is eight feet off of him at all times. Um, I the the level of disrespect Dirk was showing John Henson on his elbow catches was really something. And if anyone wants to go back and watch the game and check it out, I mean. A lot of, so a lot of times when the Bucks run that elbow series with Henson, you get frustrated because Henson just gets pushed out where instead of catching on the elbow, he's catching at the three-point line because he's just not physically strong enough to catch there. Dirk wasn't even contesting. Dirk, Dirk was five feet away from him at all times and just like, eh, whatever, man. You can catch it. Like it it's, it's fine. Uh, and same thing with the pick and roll. Like He's not going to get bumped. Like, he's just going to roll to the rim because, well, it's Dirk playing center. Um, so, John Henson looked good. 5-6 from the field. 11 points, 4 rebounds, uh, 2 assists, a steal and a block on the night. So, uh, he's your opening night starter, I think. Right, Frank? Uh, I mean, I, I think let, let's let's see. Make make some phone calls. John Horse is going to work the phones tomorrow. Uh See if you can get a first-round pick for John Henson tomorrow. Hopefully <laughs> all of the league's GMs saw that uh, playoff John Henson performance tonight and uh, are looking to, to lock up uh, John Henson. Only three years and, like, what, $32 million left on that contract? I mean, that's a bargain, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, no, but, hey, whatever. Good to see an active John Henson. Um, I thought, you know, again, Dirk, Dirk was not going to show any interest in when he was rolling to the rim. Um, you know, he, he was just going to get out of the way, so... Uh, not exactly uh, a lot of uh, challenge there, but you know it kept it up throughout the game. And um, again, you know this is what Henson can do, uh, and uh, we'll see this year 
It, I mean, if there is an injury to Ivathon Maker or Greg Monroe, I mean, he will need to gonna play. Need, yeah. You're going to need John Ensign to play minutes, and um, again, you don't have 18 centers on the roster like you did a year ago. So, um, so we'll see if uh, if and when uh, the call comes for for John Henson. I'm I'm sure Jason Kidd will give him minutes at some point, and I think you know the question is just can John Henson do something with it, or, or can he not do something with it? And obviously tonight, um, good to see him do something. Um, he misses only jump shot, so uh, I think John Henson's jumper is uh, still stuck in a um, some sort of like time loop vortex uh, in Miami and. 2000 when was that was that 2012 2012 he had that one game where he had like i think he had like 17 and 18 i think against the heat and he hit like three jump shots and we were all like "Uh?" who's that guy uh, yeah yeah anyway i think we've talked too much about john henson already um i will say there was an assist he had i don't know if you remember it it was he caught on a roll uh in the middle of the lane Kind of spawned and kicked it off for a corner three. Yeah. And I what I tweeted out was uh that might be the most impressed I've ever been with John Henson. Like uh, you can keep the blocks, you can keep the dunks, you can keep the catches on lobs sometime. If that is a thing that he could ever do consistently, I am all the way in on John Henson because that was wildly impressive yeah i feel like there have been times where you know especially because they run all those corner series where he's having to touch the ball you know far from the basket and yeah he will occasionally throw like a, a decent like backdoor bounce pass or something like yeah. that you'll occasionally see that i don't he may have had like one one other good pass time. i don't know but yeah that was the one that kind of stood out just because <laughs> you know again if, if you're a role man and you can immediately make that recognition and and find that open guy in a corner that's that's a big thing so okay now we've really talked too much about that <laughs> um oh god we're gonna do it uh let's talk about the other tar heel kendall marshall tonight had uh played 16 minutes he had uh zero points in 10 assists tell me more about how great kendall marshall is frank okay well first off someone tweeted at both of us uh, accusing us both of being Kendall Marshall haters. Uh, and uh, I had to kindly remind them that you are the Kendall Marshall hater and the Bronson Koenig believer. Both correct. And I I am the Kendall Marshall, I don't want to say lover, because I feel like I'm more just a uh, enjoyer of, of Kendall Marshall and just sort of, I, I just like wish good things for Kendall Marshall. Like I want him to be able to be like a, uh, an NBA player. I'm not saying it's definitely going to happen. I'm not expecting him to make this roster. Um, and I, I was a lot more skeptical of Bronson Kane than maybe you were. But anyway, um, yeah, well, I mean, the thing with Kendall Marshall is, and he was out there with some weird lineups, right? I mean, I think they had lineups where, you know, Peyton and Rashad Vaughn were in in the fourth quarter mm-hmm. with him. and um, But, you know, he just, obviously everybody knows, he has really good vision. He fires balls across court. He finds guys open. Um, and, you know, again, uh there were a couple times where he had nice pick and roll passes to Joel Anthony, which <laughs> what a cruel, not... what a cruel thing to do to put yeah. him with Joel Anthony as his pick and roll partner. Yeah, that's not going to really pay off for much, but uh, but yeah, good to see Kendall Marshall he can still pass. I mean, he averaged nine assists in the D League in the G League last year, so yep. you know we know he can still pass. Um, and again, I I mean, he brings kind of a different dimension than anybody else on the Bucks roster in terms of point guards. Um, I understand, obviously, the questions about him, especially defensively, 
uh, and you know he had one three pointer he attempted and he, which he missed. He has kind of that weird like set shot that he doesn't jump on or anything like yeah. that, which you know again is probably not a shot that's going to stretch the floor a whole lot or be respected a whole lot. But um, you know, again, in in my heart of hearts, I, I do have a soft spot for Kendall Marshall. I, I like the way he passes, um, and it's nice to see him back and see him doing some stuff, um, even if maybe. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, if he's got a, if he has one of these Exhibit Ten contracts, there's a good chance we could see him on the herd, which would be kind of cool. So, um, even if he doesn't make the roster. So, uh, so anyway, you know, shout what? out to Kendall, Kendall for for making some nice passes, and uh, you know, we'll see. Who knows how many assists you could have if you played with real NBA players tonight? You know what really makes me mad, Frank, is that Bucks fans' over the top love for Kendall Marshall has made me go on the opposite side of a guy that just dishes out sweet passes like that's yeah. my thing i that's love those guys kind of i like, i like, love those like, guys you were like going all in on freaking milos teodosic yesterday yes and like now you're gonna hate on kendall marshall who correct like it has some milos teodosic type qualities in terms of being like a great passer who doesn't play defense and whatever yeah hater so hater so i had that same conversation with someone on twitter am i I am of the belief, and again, I don't think we have enough NBA evidence to know anything about Milos Teodosic. God, I killed that one. Um, But I don't think we have enough idea of if he can beat people off the dribble. Because I think he can. I feel confident saying Kendall Marshall cannot beat people off the dribble. Like that, That is a thing I feel confident in. And that's why every time people push him up, it's just like, I don't think you can just... I don't think you can survive on seeing the floor better than most players. Like you have to be able to get to the rim to make that skill really cool. And I think Teodosic can actually do that. So that's that's why. But again, like it it's just really conflict I'm very conflicted about all this. I don't like being the Kendall Marshall hater, but the love for him is just so over the top that I feel it necessary to bring him back down. All of that being said, if he's a G League guy, I think that's really a good thing for. I, I mean, the other guys will be on the, else is on the team, right. Yeah. Like that's yeah. good for their development. Like they're gonna probably get the ball in spots where they have a chance to be successful. They're gonna get opportunities to create because Kendall can't. Um, so like, there's going to be a lot of good stuff there. So yeah, if he does end up being. One of the guys that gets a G League contract with the Bucks because when Exhibit Ten, like I think that would be, I think that'd be largely very good. Um, I think that could be really helpful for a bunch of people. Sorry, and, and it's and it's all. I mean, it's all relative too, right? I mean, Milos Teodosic. We're talking about a guy who's uh, second string slash at some point could start for the LA Clippers, Correct. right? I mean, the expectations for a guy like that, and I mean, I'm, I'm, I forget what his contract is, but I mean, he's getting paid real money. You know, versus Kendall Marshall, who is trying he's to get fun. the 15th roster spot on a minimum contract, right? So, I sure, mean, he's fun. If, I, I mean, uh, of, of third-string point guards, you know, you, I think you could do worse than Kendall Marshall. And As again, long as you we know, don't refer to him as anything else other than a third-string point guard. Yeah, and I think the, I think that's an interesting question. So you, you are also a, a Glove Jr. skeptic. Um, I mean, if it came down to Glove Jr. versus... Kendall Marshall. I mean, who would you rather have as your third string point guard? I don't like either of their games for an NBA point guard. Um, probably Kendall Marshall. Uh, just, oh man, I don't even know if I feel good about that. 
just the, I feel like the elite passing skill is a real thing while I don't think Gary Payton Jr. has a I don't think he has an, an elite NBA skill. He's supposed to be good defensively, but he's not. And point guard, re- point guard rebounding, dude. It's going to win you a lot of games. Isn't it? <laughs> no, um, so, yeah, probably Kendall Marshall, but I don't, I'm not in love with those options. Not that I'm in love with any of the 15th guy options, but still. Yeah. Why don't we talk real quick? Um, because the, maybe the two, guy, two guys who played well tonight or relatively well, um, who I don't think we need to talk about because – they should play well, and they're both really good. Chris Middleton and Greg Monroe. Chris had, what, 12 points in 14 minutes, something like that. Yep. Um, offense offense went through him a fair bit, um, which, you know, was kind of interesting to see. Makes some sense given that Giannis is out. Um, I, I thought Chris Middleton looked fine. You Seemed can- like he was... He tried to get up some threes. Did he shoot four threes tonight? Something like that. He did. Minutes? He did. Nice. And two of those nice. were pull up threes. So you can't see me doing it right now, but I'm doing the Leslie Nope like electric boogaloo arms right now. If you can yeah. imagine that gif, like there was a pull up on a ISO on the right wing, and there was a pull up on a pick and roll in the middle of the floor, and both of them were from three. And I, I was all about it on Twitter. Threw a couple gifs out there, and people were like, "Whoa." him just shooting them like he's got to make them and in my head i was like no he doesn't that no just because like it's pretty it's relatively simple math i think at least like if you hit 50 percent of your pull-up twos that's about one point per possession and if you hit roughly 33 percent of your pull-up threes that's one point per possession so like the the efficiency of all these things, like the reason those mid range shots can be bad is because you have to be super elite at them for that to be a good shot. While with the threes, you don't have to be as elite, and it pulls defenses out further, and it makes them think you're more of a threat coming off the pick and roll, and opens up your passing lanes. It makes you a more dangerous passer, and makes you a better player. So, I, it was funny that we've been asking for that for so long, and then I actually had some of my mentions. I was like, well just shooting those doesn't really help and I don't I don't really agree with that. Like I think just shooting them does help. Like even if he only hits 30% on pull-up threes, I don't think he would cuz he's a very talented shooter. But even if he does, I'm okay with that as opposed to him shooting 46% on pull-up twos or whatever it is. Like I'll take the pull-up threes. Yeah, and I'm I'm guessing whoever was complaining about Chris putting up threes like that I'm guessing that person is not a citizen of the Toledovich Archipelago because I'm sure that they <laughs> don't have very progressive views of Mirza getting up 28-foot shots yeah. off the catch either. Um, but, yeah, that was encouraging. Hey, do the math, you know, 14 minutes, four threes in 14 minutes. Will that work that out times two and a half? That would work out to, to 10 threes in 35 Whoa! minutes, which, uh, you know. Seems is, is unrealistic. Much, and unlikely, unrealistic, but, but, but much more in the much more in the right direction versus agreed. what, you know, we've normally seen of you know, what, four or five threes per 36 yeah. minutes, something like that, which just is not nearly enough for a guy who shoots as well as he does. Um, Greg Monroe. Um, 12 points, you know, seven rebounds, yeah. two assists on the night. Did Greg Monroe things, threw his body around. Um, by the way, Nerland's Noel, is Nerland's Noel skinnier than he was in high school at this point? I, I, I don't know. I don't know what he looked like on TV, but Nerland's Noel is so skinny. I mean, he came into the league really skinny. I think everybody assumed he would fill out a little bit. Um, I don't know. He was, you know, sitting around waiting for a contract most of this summer, and whatever he was doing was not did not involve 
eating food and getting fat, which I feel like normally guys do is they get out of shape and they put on weight. Neurons well is just, I guess he's just in that, you know, kind of thon maker school of guys who can't put on weight. Um, but, uh, but yeah, lots of, lots of alley-oop dunks from, from Noel and, and Josh Powell also had a couple alley-oop dunks. So it was kind of very standard what would happen when athletic, you know, fives go against Greg, Greg sort of beasts them and pushes them around and efficiently scores and they get alley-oop dunks, but yeah. whatever. Moose was Moose. Fine. Moving on. I have no other thoughts on Greg and Um, I don't know if I have any other thoughts on this game. Uh, actually, no. That would be Rashad Vaughn, 8 for 18 on the night, 20 points, uh, 3 of 8 from the three-point line, uh, which, nice. Eight threes in 20 minutes. That's that's something. I mean, one was a chuck late, at the, late in the game where he ends up missing it on the game's final play, but that's a bunch of threes to chuck up, uh, and he hit some of them. Um, do you have any Rashad Vaughn thoughts? I, I guess going into this game, I was thinking that there was a chance that maybe Vaughn plays poorly enough that at some point this season, or not at some point this season, that the Bucks just decide that, okay, we're not picking up the fourth-year option. Um, I don't know if if that's going to be the case. Uh did he show enough tonight? Is if you would play like that the rest of the preseason, is that enough for you to to say you want to pick up that fourth year option, Frank? Yeah, I, this was a very classic Rashad Vaughn game in the sense that, like, some people will watch it and say Rashad Vaughn is still awful, and you could just as easily turn around and say, "Wow, Rashad Vaughn actually showed some signs. He did some stuff that you know we haven't seen as much from him. He put it on the deck a few times and got to the rim and." You know, he dunked in half court off his own drive, which is not normal for Rashad Bond. And, you know, late in the game, he obviously missed that last shot under pressure from way out when he couldn't get a call. Um, but he also hit a big shot to tie it, you know, along to uh, in the final minute. So, you know, it's just sort of like kind of like just, I guess, a kind of classic Rashad Bond experience, I guess. You know, there's something for everyone. Mm-hmm. If you want to say he still doesn't know what he's doing and, you know, he's inconsistent and all that other stuff, like you got enough of that. If you want to say he showed some signs and, you know, made shots, got buckets, different ways. Um, he did that as well. So I don't know. We'll see. I mean, it's it's easy to forget that two years ago, Rashad Bond, the first few preseason games, looked about as good as he has at any point in his NBA career when he was, you know, again, these were the first preseason games of his NBA career. So, you know, you don't want to fall into the trap of putting too much into anything he does in the preseason or anything anybody does in the preseason. Um, but, you know, I, I thought it was interesting. I mean, he came into the game fairly late. Did he even play in the first half? I, I don't remember him really even playing early no. in the game. Um, um, but he uh, he obviously came in, and you know I think he understands. He's got to get shots up. He's got to score points, especially with some of the lineups he was out there with. Um, so you know, again, encouraging that uh, he got some buckets. But again, you know, are we looking at Rashad Vaughn saying, "Oh, rotation minutes this year for Rashad Vaughn"? <laughs> No, I'm not there yet. No, I don't. I don't think I would be there either. Um, I mean, it. I don't. I don't even know if there's really all that much conversation left with Rashad Vaughn. Hit threes. That's it. Literally nothing. To me, nothing else matters. They, I, I think defensively, he's at a point where he's fine enough that if he hits catch and shoot threes, forty plus percent. Like, I mean, 
that would be insane. But I mean, even if he started to hit threes at 37%, that would be significant. That's just not something that he's done. So uh, to me, that's all that matters at this point. Hit, catch, and shoot threes, and you can have a spot on the roster. If you don't, I don't think you can. Um, So I think we'll see how that goes the rest of the preseason. But uh, to me, that's about it with Rashad. Um, anything else interesting? I didn't really think there was much else there in this game. Yeah, um, what was the? I don't. I don't have the box score. I can't see it on the NBA app here very easily. What, what were the final opponent three numbers for the for the Mavs tonight? I mean, there were a lot of random dudes shooting threes for the Mavs tonight. I think that's a number I'm obviously keeping an eye on just because we know the Bucks have you know conceded tons of threes. Um, thirty-two I, on the night. Thirteen of thirty-two. Okay, so a little above average in terms of total attempts. Um, not the work, you know, worst percentage, but you also had guys like Josh Powell and Jeff Withy putting up threes tonight. So uh, I think Powell even hit one, but um, I don't know. It will be interesting to see. I mean, it, it's hard to take much away from one game defensively. Um, I don't know. I mean, was, was there anything that particularly surprised you, like from a schematic standpoint? I mean, it, we still saw them trying to exploit smaller guys in the post, namely J.J. Barea. Um, we saw Tony Snell handoff for an open three. Yeah. I don't know. We saw a lot of things that we're used to seeing. Um, I, I don't know if there was anything that you noticed jump out at you that, you know, well, that maybe something different. As I was say, one of the post-ups that Brogdon had resulted in a Middleton three, which like, that's the modern way to use a post-up. The post-up isn't to score off the post-up. The post-up is to create something for someone else. And I think on that play, it was Brogdon on the left block, and then Middleton and Henson were kind of around each other, and I think eventually Henson sets a screen, Middleton gets open at the top of the key, drains a three. If that's a thing that is is actually a focus going forward, then post up. (laughs) That's totally fine. If the goal of your post up is to get a three and to not get a contested 10-footer, then okay, that that's the modern way to use po- post ups, and that's great. But if the goal is to just kind of attempt to bully ball guys, well, it's probably not the best strategy. So uh, we'll see if that was a hint, a teaser of something more significant, or if it was just kind of something that happened in uh, in the play in the run of play as it went down and. Brogdon was smart enough to see Middleton there for that three. Um, So I think that's one thing schematically defensively. I think things look largely the same. Um, Maybe there's a little bit more switching, but I would need, I would need some more game time to see if I really think that. But um, I did think there was a little bit more switching than we've seen in the past. So uh, we'll have to keep an eye on that. But other than that, I, I think pretty much what you'd expect schematically. Yeah, and tough to say. I mean, defensively, this this group is not going to look as good with, with Giannis out, obviously, you know, not having fun. Um, well, obviously, Henson can have his moments defensively. Um, and it was weird that Dirk only hit, like, I feel like Dirk only hit, like, one three with Henson on the court. I, I, you, know, you kind of think, like, oh, man, Henson versus Nowitzki, you got to really punish Dirk around the rim because he's going to get tons of open looks, you know, making Henson defend in space um and you know again maybe it was partly just the Mavericks indifference and Dirk's indifference but um 
Uh, we'll be interested to see, obviously. It's tough to kind of gauge anything defensively uh, unless, you know, Thon and Giannis are, are back in there. That's when we'll get a better sense of it. But um, I don't know. Anything else that you notice? I think the only thing, I'll, only other guy I'll make a comment of is um, my my buddy Kyle was at the game with. Uh, you know, he, he was familiar. With, he, he knows who Brandon Rush is, and he was surprised at what Brandon Rush looked like. He was saying Brandon Rush looked a bit thicker, bit stiffer than uh, maybe the Brandon Rush we saw at, at, at other times earlier in his career. Um, he was commenting, just looked like his uniform didn't fit. Just something about it. Just, just It just didn't look like Brandon Rush was comfortable at any point in the game tonight. And uh, I don't know. We will see. We, we didn't see that much of Daryl Green. Um, he did hit, like, he did dribble the basketball and make a shot, which normally Daryl Green's uh, <laughs> off the dribble game has not really been a, yeah. a strong suit. We saw a brief moment of, of Gerald Green, but um, I, I guess I, I don't think either of us expected to uh, call the uh, the 15th final roster spot tonight, but um, I certainly will be interesting to watch um, those couple of guys, because I think our assumption was that Rush and, and, uh, and Green were kind of the two most likely guys, maybe Green the, the most likely, yeah. um, but we will see, because obviously lots of different types of players um, are, are vying for that spot, and hey, Joel Anthony hit a hook shot tonight. How about that? You know what? I will say this. Shout out to Joel Anthony for trying. Seriously, bringing the effort that he he brings. Like he, you could definitely be. I mean, he's fighting for his NBA life, but you could be a guy in a 15 spot. See that this team already has three centers that I mean aren't going anywhere, uh, and think to yourself like. Ugh whatever like why would i go hard after this stuff and he was going hard at rebounds and putbacks and i think he got an assist uh to rashad when uh he was able to grab an offensive rebound so you know what good for him like that's that's awesome and again it's super helpful for the bucks in the postseason or excuse me in the preseason because well <laughs> then you don't have to worry about it playing Thon a bunch and playing Monroe a bunch. Like, you can give, I think, what, 10 minutes tonight to Joel Anthony. Maybe it goes up to 15 in these upcoming games, and you can give him a little bit more time and not tire your guys out or worry about injuries or anything like that. So good on him. Um, I think that's about all I got. You good with that? Yeah, my guess is uh, this might be the last time we discuss Joel Anthony uh, on this Milwaukee Bucks podcast, uh, but shout-out to NBA champion Joel Anthony. Shout-out Canada because yep. that's where he's from. Um, and uh, hopefully hopefully the rest of this week, you know, more importantly, as we said, hopefully Giannis uh, spends the time he needs to with his family. Um, again, best um, best wishes to him, um, and obviously our, our most heartfelt condolences. I'm sure all of, uh, all of Bucks Nation feels the same way with, uh, with the passing of Giannis' father. And, um, you know, Thon Maker, hopefully his ankle starts to feel better, and hopefully we'll see... Hopefully, see the real Milwaukee Bucks sooner rather than later. But uh, if it takes, you know, a game or two before that happens, not the end of the world. Yeah, and I mean, hopefully, we do see the real Bucks at some point. But also, it's the preseason, and we'll get a couple more chances to see if if the Bucks can. I don't know, show themselves if, if the real Bucks can uh, kind of be a team and look like a team ready to go uh, for the NBA season. We'll find out more on Wednesday than on Friday, and then we'll wait a whole nother week for that following Friday. Uh, but that's going to be it for us on Locked on Bucks today. 
I'm Eric Name. That was Frank Madden. This has been Lockdown Bucks. We will talk to you later.